0: your thinking, challenging your your knowledge, challenging your experience, uh, talking about subjects that I think are very relevant. If you'll remember, I've talked to you about how relevant is certain things. And uh, tonight I'm going to continue uh, that theme, but in a way that um, might be a little bit different, but you'll get the point. But I want to talk about a subject tonight that we may not be Absolutely as friendly with as we would like to be, uh, transparency in this area sometimes is hard to find. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, the Bible said, "Then cometh Jesus unto them, or with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, "Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder." And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and they began to be, and he began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. He went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And as he cometh unto the disciples, he finds him asleep, and saith unto Peter, what could, you not, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away and prayed the second time and prayed. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. I want you to notice verse 44. He left them. And the writer is very specific and detailed here. He said he went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. So at least three times, Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's not, I'll drink it. If it's possible, let me somehow not go through this crucifixion process. But if it's not possible, then I'll go through it and do what I have to do. So I want you to note that at least three times Jesus prayed, ending with, yet I want your will, not mine. I want your will, not mine. Now, that's a hard prayer to pray. And God help you if you ever pray it, don't mean it. Because God will test you, and that's kind of what this presentation is about tonight. He will test you to see how much of that prayer you really mean. So I want to talk to you for a little while tonight. The title of my presentation is a question. Your will or mine? We know that when our, our kids was born... And as they began to develop a little bit, we've all recognized very quickly that they had a will of their own. You know, when they're only a week old, they don't even know what's going on around them. You can put them anywhere you want to put them. You can leave them anywhere you want to leave them. You can leave them anybody you want to leave them with. But when they hit around two or three years old, somewhere along in there, and sometimes even sooner than that. Somebody said one time, the first word... A child learns is no, and people have tried to decipher is it because it's an easier just just such an easy word to say it is is an easy word to say, but for more than one reason it just it's not just because it's easy to enunciate no, but buddy, it just so goes in line with what's in the heart, what's in the will of a person it just It just resonates. It just works out perfect. Well, I remember an era of time. What was it back in maybe the 70s and 80s? People literally wrote books about the strong-willed child. About to remember that and how to handle a strong-willed child. I sometimes wish some real experienced pastors, more experienced than me, would write a book on strong-willed saints. I'd like to to buy a copy of that and and read it. Self will is defined as pleasing oneself especially in the opposition to the wishes or desires of others. Just from my point of view through the years I find first of all the will of a person is made the most manifest When they hit about 12, 13 years old in relationship with their parents. They will go along with anything their friends want them to do. But if their parents want them to go along with something the family's doing, absolutely not. Even when it's fun stuff. I have personally experienced this in my home. With one of my kids, and I'm not going to call her name tonight. We were doing what I thought was a fun thing. But this particular person didn't think it was one ounce fun. But, so that's the first area, in my opinion, where you really see the will of a person. Just that digging my heels in the ground, and I am not doing it. I don't care what anybody says. I am not going to do that. Are there any parents here tonight? Are you brave enough to raise your hand and say, I've experienced that with... I got somebody back there is touching the ceiling, in their hand is high. And then the second part where you see this uh, self will thing come to light is in holy matrimony. For about the first year of that bliss that, that, that blissful moments, days, weeks, months of holy matrimony, oh darling, you're so beautiful. I'll go there with you. But, buddy, after about 10 years, no, I ain't going to that. <laughs> I just got a snort out of somebody. I didn't mean to do that. I'm not going to call no names. Uh, but have you ever experienced it? I don't know why y'all are looking at me the way you're looking. at the, Maybe it was better if y'all didn't come just one more Wednesday night. We just did the camera thing one more Wednesday night. I'm getting that look from you people like y'all are saying, Me? You think I do that? You think I've done that to my spouse? I've done it probably in the past two or three days. Might have even done it today for that matter. No, I cooperated with lunch today. She said, where do you want to go to lunch? I said, I don't care. She picked a spot and we went. Is that the truth? That's the truth. But it's not always the case. (laughs) Self-will is defined as pleasing oneself. That self-will child, that self-will teenager, (laughs) that self-will spouse. It ain't about pleasing you anymore. I did all that. I did all that to get married to you. Now that I'm married to you, you're going to find out who I really am. Is that right, Shane? Never mind, don't answer. He's scared to death. His head, he's like a mannequin. It ain't moving to the right, to the left, up or down. (laughs) But self-will is defined as pleasing oneself, especially. Self-will is defined in pleasing oneself, especially in opposition to the wishes or desires of others. Now, I just illustrated numerous ways where self-will is made manifest. But when you get to the point where self-will is... uh, Let's see, how shall I say this? You enter into another whole realm when you're mad at somebody and they want to do something. And you would like to do that too. But, but because you're mad, you ain't going to do it. <laughs> there ain't One ounce of anybody being honest in this building right now with themselves. Oh, I never did that. My old pastor, I can't believe you think I do that now. Another word for self-will is stubbornness, self-pleasing, arrogant, overbearing. You know, the Bible applies this whole principle of surrendering your self-will to preachers. In Titus 1.7, the Bible said, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed. So let me give you, and, and I'm going to ask you tonight to be honest. This is not a Bible study applicable to your children or your spouse. It's applicable to you. Uh, it's, this is a hold up the mirror and let's look, at each, let's look at ourselves tonight in the mirror. So think about this. Be honest in your heart as we go through this. And I promise I won't hold you longer than 10 o'clock tonight. <clears throat> so let me give you the dangers of self-will. Self-will begins, or excuse me, self-will brings destruction into the life of an individual. It will bring destruction. It has happened with children, it's happened with teenagers, and it's certainly happened with married people. On some level, it will bring destruction into your life when you are stubborn, hard-headed, and determined to have your way no matter what. It is certainly deadly in your relationship with God. The Bible said in Proverbs one thirty two, For the running away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. One translation said, Sin and satisfaction bring destruction and death to stupid fools. I couldn't have said that plainer, Brother Jason. I'm just... <laughs> uh, I don't know what to add to that. (laughs) Self-will stems from pride. Self-will stems from pride and produces pride's limitations. Nehemiah said, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hardened not and hearkened not to thy commandments. The writer of Proverbs said, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. One translation said, pride precedes a disaster, and an arrogant attitude precedes a fall. So pride blinds us to our own weakness. Yes, it does. Pride keeps us from seeking help. This is particularly challenging for men. Talk to men. Men have come to me for, for marital advice. I'm, I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> it's They're all messy. Women are just... No, I don't say that. I'm just kidding uh but he almost wandered off into it there were some of these men going yes go go hey you go you want somebody to go anyway pride keeps us from asking or seeking for help i've talked to men particularly with marital issues and they they feel like they're fine i'm not the problem here their wives will come and tell me how they're the problem but the men come back and say, I'm not the problem. She's the problem. No, she, she, he can't see anything wrong. And it's a, a byproduct of pride. It's not just being stubborn, but the fact that he's being stubborn has caused him to become proud. Pride keeps us from making amends to people. I am not going to apologize to that person. And people won't do it even when they know they're wrong. They won't do it. Why? Because they're self-willed. And pride has become a byproduct of that. Pride causes us to blame others for problems. What my fault, it was theirs. We can't be honest, we can't admit uh, when things are not right on our account. So understand, folks, when you want to do yourself a lot of help, you want to do yourself a lot of good, you have to understand the dangers of being a self-willed person a lot of danger in that and it's on every level of life it's your job your marriage your home your relationships or your spouse your kids etc notice this that a self-centered or a self-willed person cannot be trusted a person that cannot be trusted can't be used and a person that can't be used can't be promoted that uh, don't just apply to church. If you hadn't been promoted on the job in a while, and your spouse has not, your wife hasn't promoted you from the vacuum cleaner to the dishwasher, you may have a problem. Boy, I just can't get any reaction. You married folks, y'all, y'all won't even smile. Just I saw you smiling at what he said. That's what you're afraid of on the way home. That's so I'm, I'm gonna get serious now and. We, we're we going to leave the humor out of this. Okay. I understand. You're welcome. So, self-will, a self-willed person stems from unbelief. Self-willed people really don't believe. This is a biblical point in Second Kings chapter 17. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in their Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said. Or excuse me, the Lord their God. Self-will, I'm not going to submit to that because I don't believe it. I'm not going to submit because I don't believe it. It's a, it's a byproduct of not being yielding and willing to submit. Self-will is exhibited in a refusal to listen to God. And I've seen this. All of my life. I've seen it especially in couples who want to get married. They're marrying someone and it's not going to work. I have specifically asked people, please do not marry that person. And they did it anyway. And I don't know of any of them that are serving God today. They determine this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. And along the lines of marriage, I plan once we get up and running to start meeting with our junior high, high school, and college teachers to start teaching some material on being engaged, being married, and that kind of thing to hopefully help guide and steer our young single people in a little better direction. But it's a refusal to listen to God. It's a refusal to submit to authority. I am not going to do what the pastor says. I've... Folks, I'm pouring my heart out right now. We've had a lot of humor, but I'm pouring my heart out. It's it's frustrating when you sit and talk to people for an hour, two hours. I've talked to people for as long as five and six hours at a time, and I've listened to them cry, and I've listened to them get angry, and all these kind of things, and you advise them, you recommend things, you say, could you just try this? And they walk out the door, and they forget everything you said, and they go on their way, and their life becomes a disaster. That's why I'm so passionate about this stuff. I see it in the lives of people uh, virtually on a weekly basis. Uh, A self-will is exhibited in people who refuse to receive instruction. You're not teachable. I know everything already, they think. Uh, It's a refusal to receive correction. Uh, This is very difficult for church people to be corrected. Uh, For the pastor, Sunday school teacher, whoever it may be, uh, even a friend to say, you know what, that was really inappropriate, let's, let's talk about it, whatever. They don't want to do that. It's because there's an element of self-will. It's not my will, or it's my will, God, not yours. And then self-will is also exhibited in a refusal to sacrifice for others. And that's startling, especially when you claim to be a Christian person. That you can't go out of your way for anybody else, you can't help out anybody else, and I know people like that. So let me have you understand tonight that God will sometimes test us in that area. And we need to be able to recognize God testing us in that area. Listen to pastor, somebody listen tonight. This will change your life if you'll listen. When God, you know when you're about to be tested concerning your will or his will is when God asks you to do something that is contrary to your own desires or opposite of your plans. Now that could be God asking you to do that. He could do that through the pastor. He could do that through the assistant pastor. He could do that through a Sunday school teacher. He could do that through a godly friend. He says, I just want to test these folks and see where they stand and see what they're about. When God, when you hear someone's voice... Challenging you to do something that is contrary to your desire or the opposite of what you're planning. You need to listen. Give your ear to that. I remember one time I went to my pastor, Sister Murphy, and I had been married a few years. I think maybe Marcus was born. I don't remember exactly. It seemed like we had either one of our kids or both. But I told him that I wanted to, that we wouldn't be in town this coming weekend. For church, we were going to visit my mother who lived in Pasadena, Texas, and he looked me in the eye and he said, Brother Glenn, I really wish you would reconsider. I really need you here Sunday. At that time, that church had 450 to 475 people that attended on a regular basis on Sunday. And I walked away thinking, now why does he need me here? What am I going to do? That church can function one Sunday without my wife and I being there. Surely it can but I submitted, called my own mother, told her we're not going. Went to church that Sunday. I just knew the pastor would walk up and say, hey, I need you to do this. He didn't even shake my hand. He didn't even say thank you for not going. He didn't say nothing. And I was a little frumpy over that for a few days. He deprived me of going to see my mother. But I believe God used him to see what I would do. Remember that proven thing I talked to you about last Sunday? And God blessed and kept us and blessed and kept us. And a part of that was being willing to submit. Uh, One of the greatest tests I've ever been given in this area is when I knew God had called us to Youngstown. We wasn't there but just a few months when my mother was in a car accident. My stepdad was killed instantly. She should have died she was in a coma for about three weeks. We came down to and, oh, as long as we could stay. I just started a job. Didn't have vacation. We didn't have money. Didn't have nothing. We could only afford to stay a week, and then I had to leave, and obey my call to go back to Youngstown and start a church. One of the most difficult things I've ever done. So this segues into examples of people in the Bible whose will was tested. Put yourself in the place of Abraham when God asked him to offer his son Isaac. Would you do it? There's men and husbands or fathers and, and mothers here tonight. I could call your name. Even if you have more than one child, hey, could you give one of them up and go do that? Pick one. Which one of them would you which one of them would you pick? <clears throat> I suppose one of the most prolific self will tests in the Bible is when God asked Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. There's a long story behind that that I don't have time to get into tonight, but I believe Jonah had a good reason of not wanting to go. That's my personal belief, and I wrote about it in my book. When Naaman was asked to dip seven times in the Jordan, I mean, can, can it be any other river? But that one, that was kind of nasty. It was a test. When Jesus asked Peter to cast his nets on the other side of the boat and fish again, you say, well, that's not a big deal. It's not for you. It was for him because he had been out there all night fishing and had caught nothing and was getting ready to pack it all up and come back in. And Jesus said, try one more time on the other side. Just testing it. I wonder how it would be for us to be called to go to Calvary. Not on our account but for the entire world would you do it so why does god give us this test about our will first of all is to reveal our own personal ambitions that is contrary to the purpose of god folks sister murphy and i've been down this road so there's so there's things that that i just want to do i just god just please just one time could I have my way? It's like I'm I'm in this perpetual state of being a two-year-old, and I could never have my way. No, won't you do it that way? No, won't you do that? No, go here. No, go there. Go this. Go that. Do this. Do that. And I just, I've learned to just say, okay. Just, okay. The second purpose to the self-will test is to reveal our selfishness and to what degree we're mired into selfishness how selfish are we god will ask you to do something that will require you to not be selfish are y'all having fun yet the third reason for the test is to break our self-will people stuck on themselves are stuck with themselves and man, I've known folks that are hard-headed and whatever, and by the time they're my age, they ain't got a friend in 50 miles of them and can't nobody stand to be around them. <clears throat> Hello, it is the truth. A self-willed person is inflexible. A self-willed person is inconsiderate. A self-willed person is in constant conflicts. And most problems in relationships on any level, on every level, is due to self-will. It's people you work with, it's the person you're married to, it's the kids you have, it's the parents you have, it's the friends you have. Nobody on this planet is going to see everything like you do. And everybody on this planet is not going to want everything like you do. And the sooner we learn that, that we can't have our way, yea, I say unto thee, happier we will be. Second Chronicles says, or excuse me, Second Corinthians says in, in in chapter twelve, for I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as I would not, lest there be debates and envies and wrath and strife and backbitings and whisperings and swellings and tumults. The New International Version says, for I'm afraid when, that when I come. I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be, and I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, faction, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. All of this is a byproduct of people who are self-will. Listen to Pastor very carefully. Most church issues and most church splits are the result of self-will. Even an angel became a devil because of self-will. I'm not going to take the time to read the verse in Isaiah 14. You all know it. But the self-will test reveals the level of submission of the individual. We have to understand tonight that everybody must answer to someone. Somebody asked, why didn't we just continue having church through the the quarantine our general superintendent asked us to submit to with what our president was doing our district superintendent asked us to do that so i chose to submit to those who were in authority over me believe you me buddy i didn't want to do this i wasn't jumping up and down having a picnic and couldn't wait to come out here on sunday morning and preach to that camera back there So I have discovered, even as a pastor, (laughs) as a husband, and now as a father, that there is always someone telling me what to do. Life is full of people telling you what to do. If if everyone only did what he or she wished, chaos would reign. Do you all remember the books Joshua and Judges in the Bible? The Bible said they did what was right in their own eyes, and it was a disaster. Self-will is the opposite of submission, the placing oneself under the authority of someone else. Submission to the will of God is is what Christianity is all about. It's discipleship. It's, It's submission. Brother Tenney said the Bible can be summed up in one word, submission. If you can do that, the Bible is an amazing book that can apply to your life. If you can't do that, you'll wrestle with everything on this planet, including the Bible. The Bible teaches, 1 Peter 5, 5, that the younger should submit to the older. Hebrews 13 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Colossians 3, 18 says, wives, submit to your own husband. James 4, 17 says, submit yourselves to God. 1 Peter 2, 13 says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of men. 2 Peter 5 5 says, Be uh, subject to one another. So the self will test screens out what would be leaders. If you cannot submit to others, you can't lead others. You can't. It doesn't work that way. If you cannot submit authority, no one will submit to your authority. So the self will test will ensure heaven to be a perfect place. And I'm concluding tonight. <clears throat> No one but those who have submitted themselves to God and others will, will enter. The Bible said in Jude verse sixteen, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words that were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there would there should be mockers in the last days who should walk after their own ungodly lust these be they who separate themselves sensual not having the spirit let me go on and read second peter chapter 2 verse 10 but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government presumptuous are they self-willed they are not afraid to speak evil dignities and verse 12 he said but these as natural brute beast made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. 1 Peter 2.17. These are wells without water. The Bible said. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. To whom the midst of the darkness is reserved forever. Verse 19. While they promise them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome. Of the same as he brought in bondage. So everyone will encounter. That moment in your relationship with God, your relationship with the Bible, even your relationship with pastor, your relationship with your spouse, everyone will encounter my will or your will. Of course, the most important level of that is in your relationship with God. So in order to see if we are willing to be submissive to authority, especially when it is not convenient or self-serving, When we are willing to lay down our lives in submission, when we are willing to lay down our lives in submission, then we have passed the self-will test. I have a very, I consider it to be on some level a very shallow illustration here tonight. But our sweet and beloved Sister Alexander, God bless her tonight. But I remember when we were in Baker, we were having some fellowship after church one night and she was sitting in our what we called back then the White House, our fellowship hall, and she snapped her finger and called my name and said, Come here. And it kind of scared me. It did. I did not get haughty with her. I didn't get put out. But I submitted to my elder. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just using this as a personal illustration. And I sat down beside of her and listened to her instruction and what she had to say. I could go on with the illustrations of this, but I know that the past eight weeks... For a lot of us, buddy, we have been tested in this department. Oh, we have been tested. Do we do what the government says? Do we do, you know, what pastor says? Do we do what my wife or husband wants to do? I mean, what's best for our kids? It's been a kind of a hard thing for, for some of us to navigate. And I will say to you tonight, in my moments of conflict and stress, in my moments of agony and what have you, I've been at peace with God. I've felt anxious. I've felt impatient. I have felt directionless. I've had all these human experiences over the past two months. But somehow deep down inside, I trusted God and told him many times that I did. So for me to manifest that trust, I had to submit. I could only do what I knew to do. I couldn't do anything else. If I wanted to rebel, I didn't know what that would be, where God would be happy with that. So it's been a strong lesson for me personally in submission because there were many times that I didn't want to, but I I had to trust God that that he knew what was best. I had to trust our leaders that he knew what was best. I found a long time ago that you want to stay in the mainstream and try to do your best to stay in the middle. And I felt like God is had his way through all of this. We've not seen the end of it. No, we haven't, not by a long shot. But uh, he's going to have his way. So I want to submit to him. I want to be found on the right side of God when all this is over. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you tonight. We're thankful, so thankful for your presence that's so evident and manifest in our lives. Don't know where I'd be without you. Don't know where this church would be without you. I thank you, God, for the comfort and the peace that you've given to all of us. And I know we all struggle sometimes with being hard-headed. We want our way. We want our will. We want to do what we want to do and forget about everybody else. But we all have to submit to somebody. We all have people in our lives that are over us that we must submit to. And God, I pray that we would do that. I pray, God, that you would give us all a submissive spirit to be pleasing to you, to be pleasing to your kingdom, to be pliable, to be understanding, to be patient, to be kind. I pray, God, for Grace Church, that you would keep your arms firmly around it, that you would guide our footsteps, and that the will and kingdom of God would be brought to pass and brought to fruition among us. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, get up, folks. and. Go talk to somebody from a distance. Thank the Lord. God bless you. And uh, thank you for being here tonight.